on today's episode, Running is Rehab, When Doing is the Fixing with Greg Lehman. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Welcome back, everyone. I have a great episode today. I just got off our Zoom call with Greg and loved having him on. I've been wanting to have him on for a while. He is a physiotherapist. He's also done um, some chiro in the past and he has also he's also a strength and conditioning specialist and done some research in exercise biomechanics as well. So a wealth of knowledge. He loves Twitter. He <laughs> His posts are, are very informative, but also loves a bit of controversial banter and debate over Twitter as well. If you want to go follow him, you definitely can. I'll include those in the show notes. But one blog that he wrote and published um, really resonated with me and wanted him to come on to discuss it. And the title of the blog was Running is Rehab When Doing is the Fixing. And if you are injured or not, you will definitely benefit from this. Interpreting symptoms, interpreting pain, um, how much is acceptable and busting a couple of myths along the way. And so, yeah, Greg was a pleasure to talk to. I thought there would be some areas of disagreement, but it seems like we did come to general conclusions with a lot of things. Um, his leniency towards certain things might be a little bit more lenient than what I might advise, but yeah, it's good to get other people's perspectives as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's take it away. Greg Lehman, welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. If there's uh, anyone who isn't familiar with you, can you maybe just start off with uh, who you are, where you're from, and how your career's kind of progressed to where it is today? Uh, yeah, so I'm in Toronto, uh, Canada. I'm a physio uh, right now. I used to be like I did lots of training. I'm very inefficient, I guess. So <laughs> I did like a master's in exercise biomechanics. Then I did a chiropractic uh, degree and then I went back for physio. So, you know, primarily I'm a clinician. I was a clinician for 15 years. Past few years been a lot less. I still see patients, you know, online and in person, uh, but mostly I go around and, and teach my course about, you know, biomechanics, injury, pain, performance, all that stuff. Of course, <laughs> I haven't done that in a year, <laughs> you know, Yeah, so like, I still view myself as doing that. Of course. We can't change how, like how you identify yourself based on lockdown. Yeah. 
So the, the topic of today is running is rehab. And yeah. I based this off one of your blogs that you did and um, I saw it on Twitter. So I guess to start off with exactly what is meant by, or what was your intention when you say in, in the terms running is rehab, what, is, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a reaction to something I heard ages ago with the physio saying, you know, something like people need to like earn the right to run or something, meaning they had to do all this extra work to prepare their bodies and all of these things. A really negative viewpoint on how people adapt to the stresses of running, you know? Uh, and I was like, no, it, the, the best thing to prepare you for running is running right? That you got to get the dosage, right? There's a lot of other things, but you know, if you have a good coach or you're good at, you know, managing your volume and your recovery and all of that stuff and the speed workouts you do and your other workouts, then, then that's the best way to get prepared for running. And it holds true for, for rehab. Like if you're injured running or some sort of like running program should be part of it, unless it's like, you know, a, well, even if it's a stress, I was going to say a stress fracture, even a stress fracture just means you probably have to get off of it for a few weeks, uh, sometimes quite often longer, but then running has to be part of your rehab. That's, that's the way you, like you apply stresses to the body and the person adapts and running has to be a huge part. There's a role for other things, but running should be the primary uh, part of getting back to running. Yeah, it's a good way to kind of reframe a lot of our ideas and what we think rehab actually is. And a lot of people think that while they're injured, okay, I can't run. Let me let me go uh, do some other things, and then returning to running should be the goal. It should be like at the end when, in fact, we're we're wanting to reframe a lot of this and make running a part of the rehab, make it a part of the process. And so the, I guess it's it shouldn't just be like this, uh, this goal. It's more a part of the rehab. Yeah, that, that, that's the idea. And sometimes the primary part, like in, in the physio world, we get caught up in thinking, oh, I'm going to find something that looks wrong with you, a weakness or a tightness or something that's just different. And we're like, then we have to fix that with the, we have to fix that in the person, you know, get them stronger in some place. And I just, I think those, exercises have a role but again i think that they're they're secondary and surprisingly with the research you never see there's a few uh, studies it's not in runners where you never see a good study like this someone does actually there is one study never mind i forgot it (laughs) my friend friend of mine did this one how did i forget that study uh where like you take a group of people one one group this is one paper by jf escoulier where one group just does they're injured they just slowly get back to running they listen to their body. They slowly build up. Another group does that. And then they change how they run. Like they, they take shorter steps or land more softly. And the other group gets exercises. Uh, and there's no difference between the groups, right? The most important thing was that everyone just slowly built back up their running. I'm glad you mentioned that because that is one of my favorite studies of all time. And I actually created a podcast episode on it around, you know, patellofemoral pain, what's the best ways of um, strategizing and recovering from it. Uh, yeah. I think when, when you talk about running should be the primary focus within the rehab, as well as, you know, the secondary of strength exercises and what other cross training rehab advice they have. Sure. It makes me think of 
like health professionals that aren't runners or that aren't really proficient with seeing runners, they'll very quickly dismiss or very quickly advise not to run rehab, do your strength work and then return back to running. Whereas it seems that those who are more proficient with seeing runners or those health professionals that are runners themselves are more inclined to keep them running as much as possible. Do you see that same pattern? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just, just depends on your philosophy. If you view yourself as a physio or, you know, a healthcare provider, who's like a mechanic where you have to fix people first and then they, then they get to run, then Mm. yeah, you're going to hold them back. But if you realize, you know, you can do a lot of training where you're still running and that's, that's part of the stimulus to adapt. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I would agree with what you're saying. Totally. So what, what are the benefits of continuing to run through injury? If we're doing so adequately, if we're do, following the right steps, um, I guess, what are the consequences if we don't run during rehab and what are the benefits if we do? I mean, I think the benefits are massive, like just the health benefits that people get. Um, and, and right now just the social benefits people often when you're a runner, and I don't actually, I don't consider myself a runner anymore, <laughs> but when I was, you know, for eight years, just running and that's all I did. You, when you run six days a week, that's what you do. And when you take that away from someone, that's pretty horrible. So as a physio, I don't want to do that. Right? I, want, I want people to be able to get all the benefits from it. Uh, and then the other idea, if you're injured, again, running is like injury is just, well, it's difficult, but we know that treatment is often applying some stress and we hope the person adapts in a positive way. And running is a great stress to do that. You just got to get the, the dosage right. Um, the negatives of this is, uh, and it's always as a clinician, you're always like, well, what am I missing? Is there something that I need to be doing? Um, it, it, is running insufficient is it insufficient is an insufficient catalyst to get the right adaptation and it might be for things like bone density right that that would be an example where i would think do we, we need something else or if someone has a, a te- an achilles tendinopathy and they're getting older and we know with, with age you, you tend to lose some calf strength and the, and you can get less stiff in the achilles that might be worthwhile of adding some specific uh, load to the Achilles. Although what's interesting, you still might be able to use running to do that. Could be hops and skips and running up hills. You know, you still might be able to find some way to get a different type of stress on the Achilles. So I'm always open to like, I have a bias here, but I'm always open to challenging that bias. Like when, when is running alone insufficient? Mm. And that, and so I tend to like, add extra stuff just to cover my ass and cover all of our bases. Even yeah. like a, there's some redundancy built in there on purpose with all my treatment programs. If you were using Achilles as an example, and we we're using running as a primary, um, as a primary method of rehab, just for an example, like say they've overdone things, they've done too many, too many hills or they've done too much speed work. And then they've got this sore Achilles one of the primary methods that you might be suggesting is to, okay, let's back off for a couple of days. Let's reduce your mileage. Let's reduce, um, yeah, speed maybe, and then wait for those symptoms to settle down, still continue running, but doing some slow conservative um, runs. And then once symptoms are more stable, then we slowly start to reintroduce speed work and the tendon kind of adapts along the way, pay attention to symptoms along the way. Then we can, 
perhaps like structure something really nice where we're integrating our speed. Now we're integrating hills. Then we're integrating a lot of like um, more intense stuff. And like along that journey, the rehab, like the ten- the tendon will adapt to that rehab and use running as that primary method. Would that be a similar? So uh, I would always do that, right? What you said. Um, but because we're never quite certain what needs to be done, the other argument is that we need some sort of heavy load on the tendon to cause the tendon to adapt in, in a way. And when, when I say adapt, what I mean, it was like you change the quality of the tendon. So the tendon actually gets stiffer, right? And um, stores energy better. And what we think in order, to, in order to change the tendon quality itself, you need heavy resistance training, like 70% of your max. So running, running hasn't really been shown to change that. Um, the, the debate is we don't know if that has to be done but because it's so simple to add and you get other health benefits and maybe performance benefits, I would add the basic strength training as well. Plus what you just said. Okay. The other consequences, yeah. if we're coming back to it with not using running as a part of your rehab, one thing that I can think of is while you're deconditioning a whole bunch of the other tissues in the body as well, if you're not running and just going back to do doing some basic rehab yeah. and basic exercises, but a very crucial part would also be the fear of returning to running. If say your last run that you did, you say strained a hamstring or you <clears throat> strained a calf muscle or your Achilles got sore, then you have all this time off and you rehab, you rehab, you rehab. Sometimes if we know much about pain and pain science, which I've done a ton of episodes on, a lot of people get this real apprehension, a lot of fear of returning back to running and fear of re-injuring it. And that fear itself is really hindering for recovery. Yeah, absolutely. And the fear often leads to sort of a rumination or hypervigilance, where I think there's a subset of people, and I'm kind of like this, so I'm not not judging anyone or I'm judging myself, where you take that little inkling, that that niggle in your knee, that might be a one out of 10 or a two out of 10. And that fear and that worry and the rumination, the hypervigilance, you can really turn it into something disabling sometimes. And I do have a few patients like this where we just kind of talk it out and use running to build their confidence again. And, and, and they know that their flare-ups are sometimes a little bit of tissue and a little bit of their nervous system freaking out. And it's neat that they can almost talk themselves off of that edge and take, take their five out of 10 pain into the good old one or two that well, everyone has. Yeah. I think I share that same experience when it comes to returning from injury with hypervigilance, like your first couple of runs back, like I've had foot issues and like Achilles issues and every step is like, how's my foot? How's my foot? How's my foot? How's my foot? Like every single step when you first return back to running, but after one or two successful runs back, that just goes away. But for some people, it doesn't go away. And in fact, if that leads to another flare up, it leads to more worry, it leads to more fear, and it leads to more hypervigilance and can be a really tricky spot to get out of. Yeah, especially if they're coached or, or a therapist, clinician tells them, like, you shouldn't be running unless you're 100% pain free. Mm. And of all the runners I've worked with, like, everyone has episodes or weeks where there's something going on, but they just manage their training and the. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. 
This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Still, you can still run through these things. Yeah. It's such a positive messaging. Well, know. let's dive into that a bit more specifically because I guess the devil's in the details here with using running as a part of our rehab. And we know that we can obviously overdo things and running can actually make things worse, but we need to follow some clear guidelines like a runner needs to follow some guidelines to make sure running is successful as a part of their rehab and so what do we need to focus on are there any general rules regarding pain levels or regarding strength tests or something beforehand before we can start incorporating running so um not not really there's no like this is the thing i always argue with people with this stuff sorry but everyone's like they want to have some screening uh program to see who who's cleared to start running again as if there's these tests and they don't exist right like the best screen for running is running that that's it i don't know if i'm ready to run go and run 50 meters walk for a minute do it five more times all right let's see how you feel tomorrow no change in symptoms tomorrow. All right, let's do it again and just slowly build up, you know, something as simple as that, you know, that that's when someone's really starting from, they took maybe a few weeks off or something like that. There, or there was a real issue. And then at the same time, you also, this is where you have to be a good clinician. You, you we do want to rule out sinister pathology. So if, if you're worried about things, like you, you want to make sure if, if you have anterior groin pain, and especially if you're a female and maybe, you know, you're not eating as much as you should, or you've been losing weight and you have some, you know, issues with your period and that, like that, those are times where you want to definitely shut that shit down. Cause that can be like, that's some sinister pathology. That's possibly a femoral neck stress fracture, right? So those things, we're not going to be macho here and hammer into pain. We can be more cautious with that. But if it's more like my calf is sore and it's the muscle or it's the knee or it's this tendon and it's been going on for months and you know what it is and there's nothing really sinister, that's when you start, you know, poking a bit into discomfort, you know, and start progressing from there. Okay. But other than that, sorry, you mentioned a strength test. There's no tests. Yeah. People are, try to think that, no, there's nothing. In the past, I've liked to use just like quick hopping. Like, can you hop on one side and see if there's any like real apprehension or if there's real um, imbalances from like right to left? Like you can see someone's really healthy and rigid on one side and then they're really sloppy and like really cautious to absorb and produce like force on that side. And I've used that as a quick little test. And I usually say, if you can't really hop equal on one side, then you really probably shouldn't be running. Would you disagree with that? Uh, it depends uh, if it was something like an ACL tear, something where there's some, some massive trauma, but e even asymmetries, like even with that, I would like, that's, there's nothing wrong with that test. You could certainly do that. But if you have them go around a minute and they feel okay, especially if they warm up and it starts to feel better, you know, what would you rather listen to? Like how they feel when they run or the, or the hop test? Mm. You, unless the hop test is that's a good test for stress fractures as well so if you're worried about that type of stuff if that's really painful and yeah. and sure and it and it you know it groin pain or something like that uh yeah then we're not running yeah because it could snap in half yeah and 
during your running, like during your rehab, are there, what indications do you like to follow? What advice do you like to provide regarding like pain during, pain afterwards, um, just 24 hours post run? What sort of advice do you have on that regard? So it's, it's, it's actually, it's, it's a tough one. Like it almost depends where you are in your training and your goals, you know? Um, so we, we know you can poke into discomfort and still be running for a few weeks uh, when things hurt. And so if you have a race that's coming up, you've been training and the pain you have kind of stays the same when you run and it doesn't really get worse the next day. So the pain is stable then I would say, keep, keep going and then do your race. But then we probably want to back off after the race and see if we can settle, settle this down. So it's like, what we're sort of learning is it's okay to run with some discomfort. I'm just not sure it's ideal. Right. Does, Does that make sense? So, but if it's earlier in the season, why don't we work on things and figure out like what's going on and why you're so sensitive. So then we back off a bit, see if we can decrease the pain to well, no pain. And then yeah. slowly build back up. I think most of the listeners would be say rec- recreational runners who aren't really in season, not necessarily training for something at the moment, just love running and love running, you know, three to five times a week and are injured and just want some advice around what pain levels to pay attention to. So, so this, this is, this is what I'd say, like you can go for a run, you can be sore and you can get new aches and pains all the time. You go for a run, your knees kind of sore for 10 minutes. If it warms up and goes away or you hardly notice it during the run. Great. That's something that that pain is, is normal, really common, probably not a problem. If that pain starts to really get in the way of your running where that's all you're thinking about, I would say like my rule, general rule of thumb, and there's no science here, if someone looks at you and knows you're in pain, that's probably too much. <laughs> like you should have to tell someone that, that you're sore. That, that would be the idea. So if you're like limping or doing things differently than you normally would. And if the next day, like, you know, at three in the afternoon, it's definitely worse than it used to be. Don't worry about the morning doesn't count. The first 10 minutes, forget about that. <laughs> For over 30, you're probably sore. It's just like, it's just what happens. So if like, if it gets worse the next day, if you can, if, if, if it gets worse as you're running, yeah, then, and it's not tolerable, like where it changes how you run, then it's too much. I love your leniency when it comes to these sort of things. Yeah. You can be sore for the first couple of minutes in the morning. It's fine. As long as it doesn't hang around. Oh yeah. Like I honestly ask the people you work with like over 30, everyone's like that. Yeah. And then, and then, and then the same thing and you will ever run your noses, but like, you know, don't judge the run by the first 10 minutes. You can be sore there. And then if say you do, I used to always get this with my knee and I didn't ever really have a lot of knee pain, but I would always have, not always, every few weeks, about 10 to 15 minutes during a run, my knees would be killing me. Like I'd have to walk. And what I used to do was skip, hop, shuffle, run backwards, run super fast, run slow, and then it would go away. But it was literally 11 out of 10. I remember being in a half marathon. It was my best one ever. But hopping, like skipping for about 200 meters. <laughs> it, came on at, yeah. I, it came on at 4K and then it was gone at five. Like, but mm. it was honestly nine out of 10, excruciating pain. Like we get weird stuff sometimes. Like know that you can have these things and just do something different. Mm. Go, uh, you know, 
shuffle a little bit, run yeah. faster. I guess doing something different and along the way, just like learning more about your body and learning what pain levels are, are acceptable and what pain levels aren't acceptable um, just through time, but no, keep in mind that pain is totally normal. Pain is okay. And it's okay to poke into pain. Like you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I always say like, you can poke the bear, just don't hump the shit out of it, which is like difficult. So it's how, how you find that line is, is hard. And there, there are a subset of people who uh, if I was working with, I probably pull them back more than they would want to pull themselves back. It yeah. seems to like there's some, some research on flexibility, not like physical flexibility, but mental flexibility and injury where you get caught up in thinking I have to do all of my workouts at this, these paces or this intensity, and you get too rigid with your, your training and you're more likely to get injured. So giving yourself a break too, there's a subset of people who just have to like, their coach has to pull them back. So if you're one yeah. of those people and <laughs> they don't Which listen is, too much to this. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is kind of my, um, my worry that some people are going to listen to this and then yes. they're going to be going, doing way too much. It's getting way too sore. And they say, Greg said, it's fine. I know. Uh, <laughs> I guess if, is there something that they can, is there a rule that they can kind of implement? I guess one of the things I think about is week by week, it shouldn't be getting worse. Like your pain symptoms shouldn't yeah. be, on average, shouldn't be getting worse week over week. Um, if anything, should be exactly stable or getting better on the improve. Would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Or and then if and if they are stable and your volume's increasing and you're doing more workouts, that's a, that's success as well. Yeah. So you're continuing to build things up and you're continuing to build up your weekly mileage, but symptoms are stable, if not getting a little bit worse or a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. That, that's it. Yeah. I, right. I trained for a marathon with a, an Achilles tendinopathy for like four months. And it was that same idea. Yeah. Just still building up, building up pain really stayed the same the whole time. Yeah. Well that, yeah. And we know, I guess through research and Jill Cook talks about this all the time. Like if you, if you increase your mileage and tendon symptoms stay exactly the same, that's a success. That's the tendon not being grumpy. It's not being angry. It's actually responding quite well to your increase in load. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, but week over week, if things are getting worse and you're like, oh, two weeks ago, I was running at a three out of 10 pain. Now it's a six, then probably we need yeah. to manipulate something or change something within your running. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I guess the people I see more often are those who've been told just to shut it all down. You can never run again. You've got to be 100% pain free, you know, all of these things. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> that's, do you want to yeah. run? Let's go run today. Yeah. I'm curious to hear your answers on a couple of these Patreon questions. Um, Jesse asks one, but then a whole bunch of other um, patrons jumped on to second that. So Melissa and Rachel also wanted to know the same answer. How much of a, like when you are injured and you're returning to running or you're trying to keep running within your program, how much base should you build up before you start to incorporate tempo runs, interval runs, hills? Um, curious to know your thoughts on this one. So with questions like this, like injury wise, I'm again, I, I don't think it matters that much, especially if you're smart. Like I, a lot of the, a lot of the problem with the plans, you like, like with books, they probably are a bit too aggressive for most people. Like I would be comfortable if someone just did a walking program and then started a simple learn to run program where they, your first 5k 
without a lot of speed work. And then you slowly threw in strides, but I think he could throw in strides, you know, like 50 meter, inter 50 meter intervals, like almost the first, you know, three or four weeks and stuff like that. I don't think you need to do like a six month ba base building stuff. You just have to be smart. Like, um, especially if you have, if you haven't done anything fast in a long time, but if you're, if you're 23 and you're a, a female who played soccer competitively, you know, a year ago and for 10 years before that, you're going to be able to add some speedy stuff, you know, quite, quite quick. So like, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's, there's no hard and fast rules here. It's almost what, what you've done before in the past. And I think you can quickly, but here people will say here, sorry, I'm all over the place here. <laughs> if you, if you, if you, if I was pressed, I, I would say most people could start some speedier stuff quite quickly within the first month of running. And, and I know this because people go and they join like an ultimate Frisbee league, an ultimate, not Frisbee, an ultimate league or, um, you know, dodgeball or soccer. And what do you do? What do you do during those sports? Do you jog in sprinting, right? We can do this. It's not like, oh, I got to do three months of base. Now that's injury wise, performance wise. I don't know. I like get a coach, but I mean, there's, there's, I, I am a big fan of like just getting mileage and just running a lot and running slowly and be, have being patient. Yeah. You know, the, like thing, the thing I would also yeah. add is if we're talking about tempo, if we're talking about hills, if we're talking about like speed work, it's not this dichotomous like, okay, now's the time when I can start incorporating speed. It can just be the slowest gradual, like, like you can in implement speed so slowly and so carefully. Like you say, as long as you're smart and as long as you're sensible, yeah. speed might be, you know, 10 seconds faster per K than what you're previously doing, or it yeah. doesn't necessarily be a sprint. And same with hills. It doesn't need to be, okay, now I can sprint up this um hill that takes me 60 seconds it could just be a, a gradual kind of like very gradual incline that lasts like 20 30 seconds and if you're successful with that then you can start doing a little bit more and if you're successful with that then you can start doing a little bit more and so i'm always a big fan of this trial and error and pay attention to symptoms along the way and it doesn't necessarily be like it's not this dichotomous yes no now i implement this now i implement this it can just be a experiment it yeah. can just be a smart sensible reintroduction of this very gradual speed or very gradual hill and then see how you feel um sounds sensible doesn't it would you agree yeah no i'm i'm all over it yeah um and i guess the same she uh, jesse also asked about like um implementing multiple days in a row like consecutive days rather than like every second day um I guess it's the same answer, isn't it? Isn't it just the same as just trial it and see how it goes? Uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of high, high frequency. Um, and, and often when I work with patients, if they want to build volume, that's how we do it. We add, add more days per week rather than longer runs and sometimes do doubles. And these, mm -hmm. so running twice a day, and this is, these are for people only running 30K per week. But if they have, they have trouble getting over seven or 8K in their long run, you can do, you know, the, Saturday night, you do a 6K uh, run. And then in the morning, you do uh, an 8K uh, mm. run. It's, 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 it's kind of a double. Uh, or, you know, you can do six in the morning and four at night. So I, I like the high frequency stuff. That's what they're asking about. Like, it's okay to add more, uh, more days per week. 
But same thing, just slowly build. If they're injured and they're trying to return back to high mileage, um, when when is it okay to start introducing doubles or when is it okay to start introducing consecutive days? Oh, like right away. Like yeah. that's so, so that's the, that's it. That's why there's so many different paths here. Like someone's like identity might be running and they just like to get out and do it. So part of their rehab would be if they used to run every day, like an hour and a half or an hour or two hours, what we would do is they, they every day they're going to get dressed for their run, just as if they were doing their regular training and they're going to go out and they're going to run two kilometers, but they're going to be out walking for the other 50 minutes. Yeah, yeah that, that's how you do it. And then you just turn more of that walk into a run. And if they have a long run in there, then how we sneak that long run is again, we do some doubles. Mm. We, as if I'm with them. Another patron question. So Anneli asks, what are your thoughts on if they are injured returning to running uh, using support, like using braces or using tape to help someone reintroduce their running? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with all that tape stuff. I know a lot of people hate it. People feel it's a crutch. The, the thing is, it's it's not that powerful in either direction. Meaning if it works for you and it feels better, then then go ahead. And then, because yeah. it's not it's not something that's going to negatively affect you in the long term. I can't see it doing that at all. So it's totally fine. It's like an orthotic or wearing a stiffer shoe for a while if you have forefoot pain. You know, you can try these different things. There's just, there's too many benefits from running to say no to something that helps you run more. I just, yeah, there's too many rules. Yeah. If it works, do it. If someone hasn't run for a while, I know a lot of people think that running on softer surfaces is like a more gradual reintroduction than going straight to harder surfaces. What are your thoughts on this? It's, it's, it's actually really complicated because we do know that if you run on something that's softer, your your the way you'll react to that is to stiffen up your legs. So, in some measures, it's the, this this what your bones feel or what the joints or what tissues feel is is actually harder in a way. But other me- measures, it might be less, and we don't know which measure is the most important for for injury. So it goes back to what you just said: just give it a try, experiment, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's it. As long I as mean, it's smart. Yeah. If you go run on the beach in bare feet, I guarantee your feet will be sore because I mean, you'll be using your calf muscles and your small muscles or your foot yeah. way differently. One of the ways I like to explain it is the body needs something rigid to propel off. That's how we become efficient. That's how we perform. That's how we move forward. And when something's soft underground, we're trying to push into that ground to try and find that firm surface to push off of. And every time the softer it gets, the harder it is to try and find that firm thing. And so the harder we have to push to find that. And then it's really, really, um, and builds up a lot of loads and builds up a lot of requirements for the leg to achieve that. Yeah. I would say do it all. <laughs> try it all. Don't do it all. Try it all. And then see how you feel. Uh, yeah, that's better. <laughs> okay. Next one. Um, Christine said, oh, I'm curious for your, um, your answer for this one. If poor form and muscle imbalance got me injured in the first place, how do I make sure that I'm not reinforcing bad habits when I return to running? Yeah, this this is where I, I mean, my colleagues don't agree with me. (laughs) I don't really, I don't believe in muscle imbalances. I don't know how anyone would identify them. Uh, I'm not really worried about it. I mean, 
and a balance left to right doesn't really matter. You're running on one leg anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't matter what the other one is doing that much. Yeah, uh, you can. We see tons of asymmetries and plenty of runners. We can adapt to that. So I know you might have got injured before, uh, and I know you might have been told it was because of your poor running form or imbalances, but it it may not have been. There could have been other reasons. So he, and so what was once a problem is probably not a problem this time around. Yeah, that, that would that would be my argument. I'd be uh, I'm I'm in agreement with that answer, and I'm happy you answered in that way. And perhaps Christine, maybe take it with a grain of salt when someone tells you those sort of things. I know. If you, if you see a therapist, a therapist is trying to look for things to make sense of why you got injured or make sense of, or, or maybe prioritize the importance of following their advice of following some, um, their, I guess, strength exercises, or yeah, just adhere to their program by using language like that. Or there's an imbalance there's your glutes aren't switching on your hips are too stiff or something like that. It's, it's very unhelpful and um, poor language from the, the health professional side of things. And it can be, can spark a lot of fear in runners. I know runners that say my glutes aren't switching on. I'm trying to activate them while I'm running and I, I just okay. don't feel them. I don't feel the fatigue in my glutes or don't feel the activation of my glutes when I run. It just drives me crazy. So maybe take it with a grain of salt and exactly what Greg was saying. People are very successful with muscle imbalances if we can identify them in the first place, but people are very successful because it's a one-legged sport. Yeah. It's just one of those terms you always hear physios say, and you're like, where's the imbalance? And they, they can't, they can't really explain it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, 20 years ago, people, they'd be like, oh, that my VMO is not firing and I'm too strong on the outside of my quads, mm. you know, and that we know that's not really true. Yeah. I guess matter. if you were to do say capacity tests where you do calf raises or you do hopping and you, you look at the power or endurance and strength of one side and there is an imbalance compared to one compared to the other side. That's totally fine. You're only just going to be operating and running within the capabilities of the quote unquote weaker side compared to the stronger side, but you're still going to be a successful runner. Would that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, Steve, our last patron question chimed in just at the last moment here. I think he submitted this like a couple of hours ago, but he said, do you have a better rule of thumb than the 10% rule when someone is injured mm -hmm. and returning to running and wanting to build up some sort of mileage? What's your, what's your answer? Uh, uh, no, I, I mean, uh, yes. Um, the problem with the 10% rule is weird. I teach a running course. And, and if you, what, what, if you say someone's running 30 kilometers per week, uh, if you apply the 10% rule, I like, I think it's at 17 weeks, they're at over a hundred K like, and no one could do that. That's just, it's just absurd, right? It's, it's too much. Um, way, the, the way you could view the 10% rule is, uh, it, it, it's like, if you're only running five kilometers to start, it'll be really hard to build up your mileage if you go 10% per week, right? So at low levels, it, it's, it's not enough. And then if you're running 100K per week, you can't be adding 10 kilometers and then 11 kilometers per week. It's, it's so, so, so there's an, an, an issue with it. So I, I wouldn't get caught up with that. But um, so, so I, I, I wouldn't, I tend to I tend to do things more like minutes, you know, like I would build someone up like five minutes a week or so until you get to like 20 minutes. If you've never been running to get to 20 minutes and then plateau for a while 
and then see how you go for a few weeks and then start building up again and then plateau for a while. And then at some point, and this is, you know, I think Brody, you're talking about this. You're going to figure it out for yourself where you shine. Like not everyone can run 160 kilometers per week, right? Not everyone can run 80 kilometers per week. There's going to be some point where 40 to 60 might be the area that you feel healthiest and, and strongest and, and happiest. And then you just, you'll just go up and down in there where you're, where you're just plateauing and then you, you have a deload week and then you slowly build up five to 10 minutes per week. But so I, that doesn't really answer the 10% rule, but because I don't get the 10% rule. I guess it's worth highlighting that the 10% rule has a lot of flaws and it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't incorporate intensity. We don't, it doesn't incorporate speed. It only just incorporates like mileage, I guess, but it's flawed in the the periods of someone who's just starting out. It's way too gradual and it's flawed in the ones who are doing a lot of Ks in, in the first place because, yeah, it just... It's just a, a very, very blanket rule that has, you can poke a lot of holes into it. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's worth knowing because it is very common. A lot of people follow that rule um, just because they read it on the internet or they, they find it and it's easy to follow, I guess. Um, but great. Thanks to everyone for submitting those questions. In your blog, when it, we talk about running as rehab, um, there's a couple of summary points that I just want to touch on just to kind of sum Should up. Should have read it again, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, I wrote that last year, two years ago. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I can remind you. So there's, <laughs> okay. there's a couple of um, summary points, which would be a nice way of closing out the episode. So um, number one was to find your current capacity. Number two was then progress this. Um, number three was to avoid types of runs that aggravate. And so with number three types of runs that aggravate, what would be, um, what would be an example of something that would aggravate an example of something that wouldn't aggravate? What's the characteristics? What's the behavior so looking like? That's what's so neat. Like, uh, often people think about oh, speed. You, got, you always have to run slower, but no, not there are times where people hate, like they're just not tolerating that slow, easy job. And so, okay, for a little bit, don't do that. Mix it up, change up your paces. Like they, they don't like the monotony. So if you normally run a five minute kilometer, run some at 5.30, run some at 4.50, like, you know, change up your paces, do do pickups, like every every kilometer, do a hundred meters of strides. It's still kind of a lot, but, you know, so, so change it around. But then there's people where you just can't do that 10 by 400 meter uh, hard, hard session. So mix that up and do that. That's where you might be doing, you know, 3K repeats where you just do two times 3K instead of the, you know, the old 10 by 400. So it's, it's really, like you said, just trial and error and, and, and changing it. And just because you can't tolerate something now doesn't mean it's always off limits. It's just a temporary, mm. <laughs> temporarily backing off and then reintroduce it later. Yeah. Uh, it goes back to like one of the running courses I did with um, Jay for Schoolier was, he, he used this um, graph and said that all running injuries will get aggravated by certain things. There's the range of movement, like some increase the range of movement of a joint and that might irritate it. Repetition. So some injuries say like ITV friction syndrome is just the repetitive nature of the same thing over and over and over again. And the other one was load. And so like increasing the load would um, potentially like flare up this injury. And so depending on your symptoms, you could say like they might not respond to the repetition. So those long, slow um, recovery runs or the, the long runs on the weekend that aren't really, that are really low intensity, 
that might actually be worse for some people than if you were to do like a sprint session, sometimes that might actually be good for them. And like say patellofemoral pain or like that sometimes like load is, it responds better, but that repetition side, probably not so much. And so, yeah, yeah it's good trying a whole bunch of different runs and just seeing how you, seeing how you respond, use it as an experiment. Yeah. You often hear that with the ITV uh, stuff. I had yeah. a colleague, she was a runner and a physio and she had someone like do a whole marathon with just intervals. It was like one kilometer hard, right. one kilometer hard. Right. <laughs> and they yeah. had, they wanted to do it. They did it. And sometimes you see like with ITB friction syndrome, sometimes on a flat, say trail run, they do really well because they're changing up that repetition. Yeah. They're changing directions. They're slightly moving in different ways every step. And so they can be quite successful. So another thing that people might try. Um, summing up this, this blog summary that, Point number four was be flexible. So progress yeah. isn't necessarily linear. Um, anything you want to add on that? No, that that's the stuff I was talking about, that research on people who are more, I guess, type A or perfectionists where you, know, you got to be flexible. Like it, it's good to have a coach and or to follow a plan, but know that they don't always apply to you and or and to your circumstances at that period in your life. So, you know, yeah. work around it. Yep. And number five, just add other workouts or potentially add, add other workouts. Would that, any suggestions that you might have? Uh, so again, when you're returning and running, this is the idea, like keep your routine. If you run six days per week, still get dressed, go out there. And then in, instead of doing a run session, go and, and hike or walk mm -hmm. hard people. I, I think we don't sell the benefits of a hard walk sometimes yeah. or what I, I wrote an article well, a long time ago it was for like triathlon Canada it was about the benefits of a warm up, but not for the sake of doing a warm up. It was just like do four warm ups in your run. So you do like hops and skips and shuffles, run a kilometer, do it again, another warm up, run a kilometer, do another warm up. And by the end, it's like really hard to do a warm up because <laughs> you want to just run, right? Yeah. But here you are doing lunges and squats and A skips and B skips and shuffles and karaoke. And like, it's like you said, it's just, a, it's another different stress. And sometimes our body likes it and your, mm. your heart's still working. So you're getting benefit there. Yeah. I think a hard walk uphill is quite taxing and it's quite oh, hard yeah. on the body and yeah. it's good cardio workout. It's good for pumping the calves and uh, still builds up a lot of load in the body. So good thing that we might want to try. And the, the last point in this um, blog summary was know that it's okay to poke into pain. And after talking to you, I think your poke is a lot harder than my poke, but I guess the, the rule is still there. Yeah. All right. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else that you want to touch on, anything you want to clarify on or anything we haven't talked about that do you think the listeners and the runners out there, um, Will benefit from uh the the poke into pain again like this is uh it it depends on who you are that's the thing so like if, if you're more avoidant and you've been backing off and you're still waiting for everything to be 100 then you're probably the right person to poke into pain mm -hmm. but but if you've been struggling and you've all already been poking into pain and you really push things too much and you tend to like endure and you know grin and bear it and backing off might be the, the thing for you. Yeah. And then, and then anytime you poke into pain, you got to know what the hell's going on. You got to know why 
as much as you can, like why you have pain. If it's something weird going on, like there are some things we don't want to poke in. And that's what I mean by like, you know, stress fractures like that. That would be the biggest one for, for people to be most worried about. Like right? those we tend not to poke uh, uh, for, for the high risk ones. Yeah. And I do think a lot of runners can recognize when they might need a coach or a health professional to guide them when they might need a bit of accountability, when they know the rules, they know what they can do and what they can't do, but then end up just not being sensible and just doing something anyway. And they don't really have a lot of control, self-control, and they really thrive with having a coach, having a health professional say, yeah. okay, these are the runs, What this is what we're doing today. This is what we're doing tomorrow and following that. And so that could be really good advice as well. Yeah. Working with a coach is good. Or if your healthcare provider knows your coach, like I kind of work with a coach in, in Kingston who sees people and we're, we're on the same page and it's fantastic. Mm, you know, yeah. Sometimes I just, I'm pretty sure I just say the same things that he's already told them. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes <laughs> it's know, good it confirmation. Just, yeah. So we if, plan it. if the listeners are wanting to learn more about you, um, perhaps follow a lot of the content that you put out, where's the best places for them to go uh my website is greglayman.ca twitter's good uh, yeah if i'm online or like on social media it's there instagram is every now and then it's like running related mostly it's like my trampoline and skateboarding now because <laughs> <laughs> I, I made a pivot actually i'm starting to run a bit more uh but but so instagram's not the best unless you want to see old old men flipping uh, uh yeah so the, the, those are the big ones my website okay. and, and that one. Oh, oh, and uh if you are a runner and you have knee osteoarthritis i always forget this i created this last year it's my <laughs> my volunteer work it's a whole website called uh oa optimism like oa for osteoarthritis for just to keep people active who have knee osteoarthritis and i'm a huge proponent of like people with knee oa running or uh, either starting running or uh, keeping running. Yeah. So that, that has a lot of information too. A lot yeah. of them are just general principles about pain and rehab and exercise. So fantastic. I'll add that in the show notes as well. Yeah. I never go on that. I haven't updated it in a while, has, but it's timeless. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, fantastic. Greg, thanks for coming on, sharing all your wisdom and um, enlightening a lot of our runners who are injured and in trying to return to running. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. Good luck, everyone. Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs, and ebooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive patron Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic where I assess and treat runners from all over the world so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.